This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. That's RotoWire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the first week of the regular season that's completed and uh, take a look at some of the roster moves that differed from our training camp projections which we prepared as as long as a month ago for some of the teams a number of players made good on training camp opportunities and qualified themselves for season opening rosters so you can't tell me or AJ that training camps don't matter for a lot of players because uh, certainly some of them come out of the gate uh, in uh, different situations than most people expected but before we begin our look at this group let me welcome back my host AJ I know you're pretty happy today and so am I we'll get into reasons why during the course of this show how you doing partner I'm doing great, Paul. It's uh, another good slate of games tonight. You know, Monday, Monday was, or rather Sunday was a little rough. There was only one game, but, uh, you know, we got some day hockey as a replacement yesterday. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and, and the rest of our Canadian listeners. Uh, but before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll remind everybody that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, uh, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer your questions uh, throughout the week. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman 22. Excellent, my friend. Let's begin our look through the league, and uh, we find some roster developments on each lineup uh uh, of the 31 teams i kind of remember 31 teams not 30 anymore so you got you know let's put a dollar in the jar when, when i blow that from time to time this year <laughs> be a lot of drinks in vegas this oh, year then. i think there could be <laughs> well uh, when we begin with our look first of all at the anaheim ducks uh, they've got a whole raft of injuries to some key players like eves getzlaff and kessler i mean none of them are long term i don't think but it's given an opportunity for one Giovanni Fiore. I, I guess you wanted me to tackle that name first because it's an Italian <laughs> flavor to it. This is another flower in the NHL, AJ. Well, there's only one flower in the NHL, Paul. But, uh, yeah, he he started out all right. Uh, I think he's probably going to get bounced from the lineup pretty quickly. Uh, he's got just one game out of the other of uh, their first three. But, uh, you know, an opportunity for him to at least impress, maybe earn a call up down the road. But I would imagine now that Getzlaff is back, uh, he'll probably be on the outside looking in. And as soon as they can get Nick Ritchie 
uh, Patrick Eves or Ryan Kessler healthy, he'll probably get dropped from that 23-man roster. Well, I tend to agree with you. I mean, people shouldn't get too excited about the first 10 games of the season until some of these rookies really qualify themselves to play that first season because a lot of teams really don't want to burn that first player of uh, first year of their uh, NHL eligibility. That's a contract and salary cap issue that uh, a lot of teams won't, uh, won't uh, give that up unless a player really goes lights out. So don't go all in on these guys. We'll just mention, though, that uh, he's not the only one that broke, broke ranks uh, in an unexpected situation. Clayton Keller did the same thing in Arizona. He's getting first-line minutes on the top line over there, A.J. Yeah, I expect Keller is one that might stick around a little bit longer. Um, what was a little surprising to me is they, they just shipped Dylan Strome back down. He yeah. just can't seem to land there. Uh, Mario Kempe came up. That's probably temporary as well as soon as Zach Ronaldo serves out that suspension. But Clayton Keller, uh, Paul, I like your uh, IDing of him. I think he's a player that could stick up uh, for all, you know, all 82 potentially this year. Yeah, you mentioned that whole thing about Dylan Strom. This is a guy who was neck and neck with Mitch Marner of the Leafs. And when you think of Marner's profile in Toronto, you think, well, uh, Strom was bigger. He's got a more uh, prototypical NHL size for a forward. All the skill and all the hockey IQ that you would want at a player, it just can't seem to to put it together. I'm I'm kind of surprised, and uh, you know, I hope they don't give up on him. But if they do, uh, certainly a team a team in my neck of the woods would love to get a look at Strom in a Leaf uniform. If I can project that far, that'd be really <laughs> something. <laughs> but uh, and uh, over in Boston, there's another young guy, uh, uh, Europe Euro star Anders Bjork. He came out of nowhere in training camp, AJ, and he's got second line uh, second line gig with David Krejci. Krejci's got to be look, feeling like a grandpa on this line because Jake DeBrusque, a recent first line pick is on his other flank so he's nurturing these two youngsters uh, at, in their NHL debuts a very interesting mix on that forward line well and I'm all in on the Jake DeBrus train uh, I picked him up in my, my Yahoo expert league uh, he's got a goal and an assist in the first two games so he's looking uh, you know pretty good he's getting some power play ice time too so that's always I find that's always a key if they if they're willing to give the guy some power play ice time he's probably not going anywhere anytime soon uh, so both those guys, uh, I would agree, Paul. I think they probably are in there for the long haul. I don't see them heading back to, to other places anytime soon. Yeah, and a further move on the Boston roster that we note is Sean Corrali. He's playing third-line minutes. He's not yet uh, found his way into the top six, but he could threaten, and that's another young gun. They've got a different look. They've got a kind of a makeover going on underway in Boston. Uh, Brandon Carlo certainly entrenched as a uh, playing partner with Zdeno Chara. That's a great way to get your feet wet in the NHL. Last year and this year, they've been fixtures. And uh, some people have been calling Carlo uh, Chara light because he's got similar big size and he's got uh, got some acumen in terms of the scoring. So uh, I, I'm going to keep my eye on him to see how he develops during the course of a sophomore season too. So lots to look at in the Boston circumstances. And we'll keep an eye on that very closely all year long. In Buffalo, they've br- brought in a defenseman uh, with injuries to Bogosian and Falk. Uh, and Tipin is another Eurostar from the uh, Russia Russian background, and he's getting a look, and he, I could see him getting into top pairing minutes uh, if if he gets his feet wet and, and really plays with a comfort level that I expect to see. He's got, had some rave reviews uh, in on his docket, and I think the Sabers. It's an opportunity where uh, the sky's the limit for anybody with some defensive upside to move up the ranks there, because they really, other than Ristolainen, and they don't have a lot of signature offensive help back there. I'm actually going to disagree, Paul. I think they'll send him down uh, maybe to AHL Rochester. 
Uh, I think the fact that, you know, Bogosian, yeah, he's had some injury concerns uh, over the last several years, but they didn't bring him in to, to sit on the, you know, on the bench or, or watching from the press box rather. So I think as soon as he's healthy, he'll slot back into the top six. And, and I would expect they don't want Victor Antipin just sitting around doing nothing. So uh, let him go down to AHL Rochester, play for the Americans and, and get some actual ice time. I'd, I'd expect him to almost be a first, uh, a first pairing guy uh, down in the minors. I'm going to say watch out for what I say in this case. I, 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 <laughs> we'll have to put some money on that one, too. Uh, Antipita has an offensive upside. Uh, you might be right. They'll test him in the minors if, if things don't work out of here. But right now, he's going to get a look in, in the short term. So maybe you try him out for a week or two and see how she go, he goes because he'll have the opportunity there, I think. And you might be right in the long run. We'll have to see how that one plays out. In Calgary, uh, Sam Bennett's on the first line. Curtis Lazar also there, too. Uh, interesting moves on the forward ranks. Uh, Versteeg, Monaghan, Ferland make up the second line. And uh, Kachuk uh, is another guy on the third line. they got a raft of young players in this roster, AJ. Which one of these guys is going to get your attention in the near term? For me, it's Kachuk. This guy, I saw his father play, uh, outstanding physical specimen and, and a, one of the prototypical power forwards in the NHL. And Matthew Kachuk seems to have inherited his nasty streak. And he's got some scoring ability. I like to see him playing top six minutes here. But right now, not slotted there. But uh, long-term stash, I think that's my guy on this roster. Yeah, I like that call, Paul. I do also really like Sam Bennett, the the 21-year-old. He's he's playing center. He's more of a natural winger. But I, I think he's capable of, uh, you know, playing in that spot. And, you know, they didn't uh, they gave him a little bit of a bridge contract to kind of see what he could do at a two-year uh, 2.25 million annual deal and so they'll kind of test him and, and see what he can do but I think long term you know he's a player that I think could be sneaky uh, you could pick him up in a lot of leagues so he's not going to blow the, the doors off or anything like that but he'll offer kind of mid-range value uh, that you could probably snag off the waiver wire if you've got some injured guys uh, Sam Bennett might be kicking around there I think what's really helpful for the flames uh, more than anything else is that all these young guys are getting some one-on-one uh, post-practice training lessons from Yarmir Yager. <laughs> yeah, okay, training uh, lessons. <laughs> I mean, they have. They they said yesterday after practice, Yager was showing really? to Chuck a few things nice. about uh, body positioning, okay. stuff like that. And so I really think, uh, you know, he's going to be an extension of the coaching staff on the ice, and that's really going to help these guys out. Uh, one other guy uh, I think to, to look out for is, is Daniel Pribble. Uh, he's he's banged up. Uh, he's probably done for the year. But I, I think in long-term leagues, you might want to keep an eye on him and, and see what he can do uh, once he gets healthy. He's not going to do anything for you this year. Just a name I wanted to throw out uh, for any of our dynasty guys out there looking for a long-term uh, stash. You know what's funny? You made me laugh with the Yager reference because I saw a clip yesterday of the traveling Yagers that, that originated out of Calgary, as you know. And uh, they were doing an interview with them on uh, on national TV. And, of course, Yarmir Yager sneaks up behind them, and they were all freaking out that they get to meet the, their idol. <laughs> and uh, I, I, there was some references to his off-ice shenanigans. And that's what I was thinking about when you mentioned how he's going to lead these players. He may lead them astray <laughs> off the ice. We'll have to see how that plays out. Another guy there that, that really to keep an eye on is a guy I've had a lot of time for since he excelled with Team Canada, and that's Curtis Lazar. He didn't get much of a shake in Ottawa, AJ, but they, uh, they saw fit in Calgary to 
trade for him. And I think he's going to get a real shot here. And he's, he is Brian Burke's type of player. This guy has a nose for the net, and he goes to the dirty areas. And if he gets some playing time, I'd like to see him him uh, as a stash consideration in a lot of leagues. Uh, I think he's got a lot of upside and, and a lot of leadership skills. This guy is a long-term keeper for me uh, in, in fantasy dynasty leagues. Uh, over in Carolina... We've got a couple of young names that we didn't expect. Yanni Kuokkanen and Martin Nexcash, two Euro stars that have made the grade over there. There's a changeover going on in Anaheim in Carolina. It started with the infusion of several players, including uh, Sebastian Ajo last year. So they've got a bit of a change in, in uh, their forecast. Uh, they're not a dull-looking team anymore, AJ. There's some interest here. Yeah, there's definitely some intriguing players. Um, I, I don't think Nekas is going to have a, a long-term impact this season. Um, I expect he'll get uh, you know sent down maybe uh, once they take Lee Stemniak off IR. Uh, but there's definitely you know some uh, some talent here that they've started to accrue. Uh, some younger guys. One player I'll mention is Hayden Flurry. Uh, speaking of flowers, another one in the league. Uh, you know he's not uh, again not a player blowing off the doors right now. But he's definitely got some potential. Uh, the 21-year-old is playing third-pairing minutes, uh, and I think he could chip in offensively uh, you know, down the road once he gets his feet wet, uh, wet a little bit more. Uh, so just a player to watch. I, I'm not adding him to my team right now, but I'm definitely keeping an eye on him. And uh, brings us to the Chicago Blackhawks. I'll have more to say about them because I got a close-up look at them last night at the Leaf game. Uh, Alex Debrincat, when his, this guy was playing junior hockey, AJ, he was just a scoring machine in junior. He was kind of a one-way player, though, one-dimensional guy. And I didn't think he'd be a great fit with the Hawks, except for the fact that he has a tremendous scoring upside. And you know that they have a mitt full of players like that. So he's going to learn from the best when you consider that Patrick Kane is out there, Jonathan Taves. Boy, they play with such a level of confidence. And some of the other youngsters that they brought in over the last year or two have really learned from that. And Debrinkat, I think, is just the next one. And he's got a scary offensive upside. So uh, Chicago may have found a real diamond in the rough there late in the draft in the first round. Well, another good young player that they've got, uh, rookie, is Jan Ruta, who we kind of mentioned, uh, you know, we teased him a little bit, but watching that game last night, he really likes to jump up in the play. His timing seems really well. He picks and chooses his spots. Uh, I haven't seen anything that's concerned me so far through the first three games. Two goals, two assists, uh, perhaps more importantly, a plus seven rating. So he's not, uh, you know, he's picking his spots to jump up. He's averaging 19 minutes a, a game on the third pairing, so they're really spreading out the ice time for these three guys. Uh, doesn't get a ton of look on the on the power play, but that could change. That could increase. Obviously, his 40% shooting percentage isn't sustainable. That'll drop off a little bit down the road, but I was impressed last night watching him pick and choose his spots to, to pinch down and, and get into the you know offensive uh, side of the game. In Colorado, people were looking at the, this team as a real red flag zone, but uh, early on, they've surprised. I mean, no no bigger surprise than yesterday going into Boston for one of those matinee games that you mentioned, and no, none other than Niall Yakupov gets two goals, albeit one was an empty netter, but another one, he made a fine play to score, score an earlier goal in that game. You wonder, he's going to get all kinds of chances, AJ, in this lineup. There's not a lot of skill that's going to keep him away from a second-line opportunity, and that's where he is right now with the... Uh, uh, malcontent, I'll say, Matt Duchesne at center ice. He's showed up and he's playing, 
but uh, Yakupov has stolen his thunder on that second unit. And another guy, a youngster on the other side of that line, makes this a really intriguing trio, and that's Alex Ker Alexander Kerfoot. So that's a trio to really watch out for in the Colorado mix. And finally, Mikko Rantanen has is, is, uh, stayed healthy enough to play a string of games to earn himself first-line minutes over here, too. So playing with Nate McKinnon is going to raise his profile. That's, that's three or four names to watch out for in the Colorado roster for me, A.J. Yeah, and don't sleep on Tyson Yost either. Uh, he's uh, a 19-year-old center, uh, just nine games of NHL experience right now. Uh, his production hasn't been huge, but if Duchesne gets that trade, I think Yost, uh, unless, you know, depending on who they get back on the other end, Yost could slot into that second-line role uh, once Duchesne's gone. So then you're looking, you know, at a potential Yakov Yost Kerfoot line. And, and I think the, the speed uh, and the kind of hockey sense on those guys, they're all young, but they're all, uh, you know, have some potential and perhaps they can gel together. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Kerfoot and Yakupov if and when Duchesne is gone and how Yost might or might not step into that role. See, and that there's a lot of... Uh flexible possibilities there in, because that's a roster that's really not really defined and they've got a long way to go before they break, break ranks with some of the better teams in the league up next though it's interesting to note that columbus is one of those teams at the the better end of the scale and yet they have some uh, intriguing situations going on sonny milano another guy kind of like to brink out in chicago this guy had a tremendous upside in junior as well and finally has made the grade and he's got a second line scoring opportunity on the left side with columbus and you know when you're in, able to play the top six there you're going to be partnered with some pretty impressive players one of whom is a veteran the captain uh, Nick Foligno, he's playing center ice, AJ, early on this season, a move necessitated by Boone Jenner's injury. So in leagues where face-offs matter, you're getting a bit of a bonus for, for putting a guy like Foligno into your roster at center yeah. ice. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great uh, great point there, Paul. And I think it's important to note too that they're just now going to get Josh Anderson back. Uh, he, you know, with that contract situation, he wasn't uh, ready to go, wasn't quite up to game speed. So you add him back in to that third line, and this is a team that's got a ton of depth. Uh, you know that they can score all. I mean, really, all four lines on this team, I think, have scoring potential. So it's a dangerous club. Uh, I would, you know, maybe stay away from the opposing netminder on most nights, depending on who it is, just because they do have some firepower uh, in all four lines, really. Yeah, and uh, over in Dallas, I, I am intrigued by what they've done on the left defense with John Klingberg. They put another a Swedish background a guy, Esat Lindell, partnering with him. He's not got the, the offensive profile as Klingberg does, but same as Klingberg. But, you know, somebody's going to get the puck uh, to Klingberg sometimes. It might, might often be that Lindell is defense partner, so you might snake some easy assists there because Klingberg will lug the puck and set up a guy on the offensive forays and uh, insulating him on the defensive side of the puck as well. But up front, I'm, I'm noticing that Jason Spezza, he hasn't played center ice too much for Dallas in the last little while, but they've given him that second-line scoring role ahead of Marty Hansel, who's been dealing with some injury woes early on. They've got a pretty nice trio up front in the middle of the ice, but uh, another name on the left side on the second line is Matthias Janmark. He's getting a look there at a top-six opportunity, and uh, that was not expected in some circles. Uh, Antoine Roussel kind of, I thought, was going to get that role, but he's been dropped down to fourth-line duty. A uh, bit more of a physical pr presence, but they're looking for the skill of Matthias Janmark to mesh with the uber skill of Spezza up there. 
Yeah, the one kind of big uh, surprise, I think, overall, as far as who made the the 23 man is is Gemmel Smith, yeah. uh, the 23-year-old. Uh, he was not really on, you know, a ton of radar, although he did put up 12 goals, 21 assists last season in, in the minors. So he has some some scoring touch, uh, you know, no no points in, in the first game. And then he sat out the second one. But that's probably just easing him in uh, to NHL, you know, more NHL contests. Uh, I don't I don't foresee him getting sent down. Uh, if he does, it would probably be just like a short stint, play a few games, come back kind of situation is my guess on him. AJ, I know there's a number of our pals in, at the Rotowire head office who are big on the Detroit Red Wings year after year, but they had to take it in the teeth last year with the team missing the playoffs. There must be some excitement early on, though, because they uh, they look better than expected. Martin Furk is a guy who's gaining some headlines as second-line right wing. We forecast that opportunity, and playing with Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha, that's two of the young guns of the Detroit Red Wings' future, a great opportunity for this young uh, Swede. And uh, I, I think he's, he's going to get a longer look than just the first 10 games over here. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think the only reason, really, he's getting that look is because uh, Anathiasso. Uh, Anathiasso. Athanasio, thank you, Paul. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, you know, he's still not with the team. It sounds like he's skating back home uh, in, you know, or uh, skating over in Sweden rather. And so he's, you know, still not with the team. That whole contract situation continues to drag on. But Martin Martin Furks really grabbed the, you know, the bull by the horns and, and taken control of that spot to the point where they might be. At a point where, you know, AA, if they do bring him back, slots into a third line role instead of a second line just because of how well Martin Furk is is done. You know, and you can't discount the fact that Furk has already gone through the Grand Rapids uh, growth growth uh, spurt there. He potted 50 points at just over 60 games last year. So that gives you a sense for his offensive upside. And as I said, I love the combination that he's working with over there. So that's a long-term stash for me uh, on that side. And I, I want to remind our listeners, we highlighted Xavier Will let he stands out on this defense as a guy who bucks the trend of some of the older fellas that he's playing with here and and his profile will only rise as this this team gets their rebuild going full bore so keep an eye on him on the blue line there uh we go to the next club on on the docket and that is let me let me get <laughs> it's the edmonton oilers aj this is a team that is uh the darling of several preseason prognostications to go a long way this season and uh, you got to look at uh, Connor, Mc, well, Connor McDavid looks like he's already making a bid to distance himself from the field in the MVP voting but there are some other players to keep an eye on here Anton Slepyshev playing second line role with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Milan Lucic a great opportunity for him he's going to be insulated he's going to get a lot of extra ice with Lucic making some room and the playmaking ability of Hopkins Nugent Hopkins makes him an intriguing possibility for me in this mix well, I, I can't talk about Edmonton without asking what's wrong with Cam Talbot right now. Yeah. Uh, p- allowed eight goals in the last two games, uh, both losses to Vancouver for one, who's not a very strong team. No. Uh, that was an abysmal outing for him. And then uh, another loss to Winnipeg on, on uh, last night. Yeah. And so there's there's definitely something up with Cam Talbot. I don't know if he's in his own head or, or what's going on there. Uh, I would expect they'll let him work it out uh, rather than, you know, rely on Brossois 
uh, heavily, Very but nice. uh, <laughs> <laughs> something's something's definitely not sitting right in the Edmonton goal. That's for sure. Yeah, and you got you made the point about uh, the starter. Cam Talbot was the guy who played more, st- started more games than anybody last year. Was seventy three, I believe, and uh, maybe you know sometimes it's good to take a bit of a breath and. Uh, and Laurent Bossois is a highly touted guy that they have in the backup role. They're bringing him along very, very slowly. But if Talbot continues to struggle, I'd like to see Bossois get a couple of games just so Talbot can clear his head. This is going to be a very good team, make no mistake. And Cam Talbot, and many people would argue he was the team's MVP last year for stabilizing the goaltending situation. They knew they were get, what they're getting offensively from their big guns in the middle of the ice first and second lines but Talbot really rose to the occasion and and, uh, was a key factor in their great season last year and he'll be a key in any future success for them no question in my mind. AJ that brings us to the Florida Panthers we take a look at one of the Florida teams here and uh, Jamie McGinn is as a placeholder on that second line left wing I don't expect a lot of scoring from him but uh, when we talked about the this team in preseason I didn't like the depth on the forward lines and the fact that a guy like him is playing top six minutes is alarming for me so I I strike I was in a negative tone for the first time today when I look at this this lineup and and the options aren't great when you look at the port side you got Connor Brickley and Michael Haley do you see any of those three guys uh, being capable capable top six scorer really i actually do in connor brickley uh he's got you know a goal and assist in the first two games uh 12 minutes of ice time so a little on the lower side uh and a lot of that is coming shorthanded almost three minutes of shorthanded ice time in the first two games but i think uh if he can continue to show a little bit of a scoring touch uh he had 26 points uh last season in the minors again not not a huge number but i think if he gets some more opportunities here uh, and perhaps can replace McGinn on that second line, you know, stepping up the uh, the level of uh, players he has with him in, in Trocek and Vrabrata. Uh, I think Brickley is one that I see filling in that top six uh, left wing spot. Well, I guess they just haven't got my interest yet. Maybe that's my explanation. Uh, <laughs> we go to Los Angeles, and uh, there's a lucky guy on the first line left wing. That's Alex Iafalo. He uh, surprised everybody by earning this gig, and he's playing with Anze Kopitar and Dustin Brown, captain of the team and uh, and their best center. Uh, not a bad place for this guy to land, AJ, and I'm, I'm wondering if he is a long-term stick over there or if Tanner Pearson moves up, but... but uh, there's not a lot of other scoring options on the left side, so a fellow could get a long look over here. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he'll probably be there for, for most of the season. Uh, again, you know, lines have become so fluid uh, in today's NHL that, you know, he could certainly sl- slide down to second, maybe third for a game or two. But I think long term, uh, that first line is is the best spot for him. A uh, couple uh, defensive guys getting a, a couple looks. Uh, Oscar Fantenenberg, uh, he's been uh, playing for them. You know, kind of unexpected uh, option. I think we saw other players filling out that defense, um, but he seems to be stepping in decently. Uh, and then Alec Martinez is out, so that's kind of creating an opportunity for a couple of these guys that, that might not otherwise be there. But I think that Kings defense is at least worth a look because a lot of those guys are probably going to be on your waiver wire and you might want to take a look and see what maybe they can contribute for you. Yeah, I look at a guy like Paul Ledoux. He had a look last year, 22 games played. He had eight points, all of them assists, but uh, playing top four minutes in certain circumstances there, he was a guy that caught my eye a little bit and uh, Jake Muzzin uh, will 
move up. He's playing third-pairing minutes, and he gets special teams play. Don't forget about him for sure. Jonathan Quick looks pretty solid uh, in the nets, and uh, that's the biggest upgrade that L.A. was hoping for in preseason and uh, certainly looks healthy out of the gate. But I'm really wary of Darcy Kemper in the backup role there. And I say Jack Campbell is a great, great stash opportunity in terms of the goaltending depth in, in Los Angeles. This is a guy who's 25 years old in the last year of a of a contract, and they've got to really see what they've got there at some point. I mean, he had a fine year in the AHL last year, and uh, is he the heir, heir apparent to Quick? I don't know. I don't think Quick is ready to give it up yet, but Campbell could get an opportunity, uh, maybe in trade consideration, if another team is looking for a guy who uh, had a very high profile as a as a junior. Uh, so uh, that's, a, that's a name that I stashed in one, uh, one of my dynasty leagues. I wonder if anything will come of that, and I'll keep an eye on that situation for all of us. In Minnesota, AJ, we look at that club next, and we see Michael Grandland and Zach Parise both out of the lineup. That burned me the first week of the schedule because there wasn't any news on Grandland, and I had him active. So uh, the, the, that's kind of a one that I took in the chops, but uh, they're both out of the lineup, and, and uh, Minnesota's trying to make make their way through those two key injuries that's a struggle i think for them yeah absolutely and you know we're not uh we're not really going to highlight any guys that were surprises here the minnesota lineup pretty much shook out as most people expected uh you know those injuries kind of being the only thing uh sounds like parisi was back uh practicing in full yesterday so hopefully for your lineup paul he'll be back and ready to go soon but uh not a lot of changes here in this lineup so same old same old for the minnesota wild yeah a lot of depth on defense i really like that six pack one of the best in the league and certainly devin dubnik the beneficiary has pulled his own uh, share of the rope there uh, one of the top uh, goalies who emerged in the league in the last few years really a stabilizing force since he joined forces with the rest of this team brings us to uh, the montreal canadians i always want to take a special glance at this team the forever rivals for my club uh, the Maple Leafs, and you look at some of the guys that have made the grade here. Uh, certainly, we got to look at Arturi Lekkonen last year in a bit of a, a cameo in his uh, North American debut. But Charles Houdon is a guy that I've got my eye on over here, AJ, because uh, Alec Alchenyuk had a really tough time. He got some bad press in, in the exhibition schedule this year, and I wonder how long they're going to take a look at watching him. And maybe Houdon is a heir apparent to a scoring line role. In the meantime, though, he's going to be getting to play with one of the more responsible two-way players that they have in this deck of uh, talent, and that's Thomas Placanich. So not a bad place for Houdon to get his feet wet at the NHL level, in my opinion. Agreed. And the nice thing that they're doing with Houdon is they're, they're as I mentioned before, they're giving him power play time, uh, averaging over two minutes per game in the first three games of, of power play time. No points yet, but I think that'll come. Uh, and so he's he needs just one more game to uh, set his career high for NHL games played in a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I expect he'll get that this <laughs> year. Um, but, yeah, he's done a, a, a heck of a job so far. Uh, just hasn't been able to put it in the back of the net yet. And then uh, Victor Mete, who we mentioned off the start, you know, he's uh, still uh, he's shuffled a little bit as far as where they're putting him in. Uh, but he's still eating up, you know, between 16 and, and 19 minutes of ice time per game. So not quite a, uh, a full on first line role. You know, a lot of those guys end up closer to 22, 23. 
Uh, they're kind of spreading the wealth a little bit, but they're probably just getting him comfortable. I'd expect to see his ice time tick up as the season goes along. And we talk about ice time and the Nashville Predators. That's an interesting topic when you look at what they're doing with Emelin on that blue line. It's a deep defense, and to show you how deep it is, a guy who played top four minutes in Montreal got less than 10 minutes of playing time in his first game over there. And the other bit of news there is Kevin Fiala. This is a guy, I wonder if you saw him in the Milwaukee Admirals lineup, AJ, when you had a chance to maybe scout some of their games. This guy is a scoring machine. He was almost a point-of-game guy in a short stint last year before he made the grade at the NHL level. And to see that he's out of the lineup is a bit of a stinging blow for the, the Nashville Predators. They've got a whole raft of guys that have kind of opened eyes in terms of scoring ability. This was supposed to be the next one, and I'd like to see what he can do when he's healthy. Yeah, Fiala is a phenomenal talent. Plays with just a ton of speed. Uh, we obviously saw that unfortunate uh, leg injury that he suffered in, in the postseason last year. And unfortunately, he seems to have picked up another knock uh, here at the start of the season. I, th- I would guess the good news, if they, if you can say that, is it's upper body. So it's not related to, to the knee injury. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, Alexi Emelin uh, actually benched uh, or watching from the press box rather in the last matchup. I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, the tandem of Yannick Weber and uh, uh, Anthony Bito, uh, Bieto. I think they're both uh, top guys who can contribute. I, I wouldn't expect them to ever be like first line or uh, first pairing defensemen, but they're solid third line guys. And I think they've just, uh, you know, found that Emlyn's somewhat expendable. Um, and I talked about Alex Carrier uh, at the start of the season. He could be back at some point down the road. I know they're high on Samuel Garrard as well. And so I, I think I think in the in light of the Ellis injury, I almost feel like this team kind of panicked a little bit. I, I know they brought in Emelin ahead of time, but I think originally they thought he'd take on a bigger role yeah. with Ellis being out. And I think what they should have just done is stuck to their guns and trusted that these young guys were capable of it because uh, I think Emlyn's going to watch from the press box more often than not. Oh, that's a big hot take. Holy cow. I hope his relatives aren't listening. They might be after you. <laughs> <laughs> they have to think the, thing that the fan club is already on the phone, on line one here. Better check that. <laughs> uh, AJ, look at uh, the New Jersey Devils. They've got some injury concerns of their own. No fewer, no fewer than four guys projected starters are sitting on the sidelines now with varying degrees of hurts. Travis Zajac and Brian Boyle, uh, the worst of the, the, the quartet. But Kyle Palmieri and and Drew Stafford, two guys on the right side who were expected to fill in uh, big time in the scoring line situations, are out of the lineup for the Devils. That's got a sting. But I'm also interested to see what uh, Severson does on the first pairing on defense with Andy Green. I got a long look at this guy in some AHL stints, and he has a real upside uh, as an offensive defenseman, a power play specialist as well. So uh, New Jersey's kind of amp- uh, improved their uh, their power play makeup. They've got some more skill here than they than they had in the last few years. They've got Taylor Hall and Marcus Johansson who are factoring in on that offense and bringing a lot of skill to the special teams play and Severson will play with these guys I think that's a guy who's who's a uh, sneaky call up and and could be in line for a spike in points this season well Jesper Bratt is a guy that's going to fill in for uh, Palmieri and Stafford and if you have uh, if you're in front of your computer right now podcast listeners get onto your team go pick up Bratt right now He's got three goals, two assists in the first two games. He's seeing minutes on the power play, shorthanded. I mean, they're using this guy in all avenues uh, in all three phases of the game. Uh, I think he's a definite must uh, pick up 
in my opinion. Yeah. 19 years old, so especially in your uh, dynasty leagues, uh, worth a look immediately. And, you know, even when they get those other guys back, Brat's going to stay in the lineup because right now they're using Ben Lovejoy uh, as kind of a forward uh, defenseman combo. They went with, you know, the seven defensemen last night. So uh, Brat's not going anywhere, especially off that. Uh, right now he's outperforming. Uh, Hersher is, uh, you know, the, the top uh, elite pick. Right. And so, you know, all the attention was on Hersher. Uh, I would go and pick up Brat immediately if he's still available in your league. Well, and one guy that's got to be uh, getting a look in some uh, fantasy pickups this, this week is Matthew Barzal of the Islanders. He's unseated Brock Nelson, Nelson as the second-line center, of course, behind Tavares. So there's always been a search on for who was going to hold down that second spot. I thought Nelson had cemented his case last year, but Barzal certainly has uprooted him. And Barzal has uh, got a scoring... Uh, history on his resume the guy got two points a game in seattle the western hockey league last year just indicative of, of what he can do with the puck when he gets it on his stick and so he, he's getting a long look uh, in a top six role here he's got the veteran andrew ladd and another veteran josh bailey on his flanks so he's insulated there with some good skill and, and offensive upside and uh, taking advantage of hopefully take advantage of his own skills in that mix and uh, making the case for the fact that there might be more centers than just jt on this team to keep Keep an eye out for long term. To further emphasize your point, Paul, talking about Brock Nelson, this is a guy that's only missed two games in the last three years, has 40 plus points in each of those three seasons. That's 20 plus goals in each of those seasons. I mean, so this is a guy that you expect, as you said, to be firmly cemented in that that second line center role. So that says a lot about what they think of Matthew Barzal. Now, no points yet this season, uh, but he's not afraid to shoot. He's got eight shots on goal in three games. Uh, You'd maybe want to see a little bit more in a second-line role, uh, but he's going to get his opportunities. Again, another guy that they're using on the power play. You see this a lot. They like to put these young guys on the power play to kind of boost confidence, hope they get those goals, uh, and so can kind of come along and get some ice time with veterans, uh, when there's less pressure on you because you have the man advantage. So uh, I ahead. definitely like what they're doing there with, with him. Yeah, and it seems to be a theme that we're seeing on a number of teams. And the Rangers are another one, AJ. When you look at Pavel Buknevich, you talked about being insulated with veteran players, and so did I on other teams. This is a guy who's getting a look at first-line right wing, and uh, he's coming back from an injury-plagued last season where he only played 41 games for the Rangers and accumulated 20 points and had a bit of a cup of coffee with Hartford getting five points in four games there too. So a guy that I think has proven that he has an offensive upside. He was a fairly high pick in, in recent years. And getting to play with Zibanejad and Kreider, those are two uh, two crafty players, and Kreider particularly, a big body presence. Boy, the other night against the Leafs, AJ in that 8-5 uh, slug, slugfest, Kreider made his home in front of the Leaf net, and there was nothing they could do to get him out of the way. So uh, Buknevich will be the beneficiary if he can get some shots on goal with that big body presence in front of opposing goalies. A uh, real bonanza could be in store for him. Another guy on the blue line that I keep an eye out for is Brady Shea. This guy is partnering with Kevin Shattenkirk on the first line pairing. I went and snagged him in one of my, uh, a, a neat league that I started to play uh, this year, a salary cap league, AJ, and with our friend Chris Meany. He invited me into that. And uh, Shea is a guy who uh, comes in there with a very low salary, uh, under a million dollars. So he was a nice fit for me when I could see that I could snag him and plug him into a first line role. There's not too many defensemen with that kind of a salary that are going to get first line minutes. And playing with Shattenkirk really should help his offensive totals. 
Yeah, I think what's interesting is, you know, they were going to put JT Miller on the wing because they were so confident in their centers. Well, JT Miller's already back at center, <laughs> and they got they took Adam Cracknell off waivers. So clearly, something's not uh, fitting right as far as they're concerned with their centers. And that's looking at third and fourth lines. Obviously, Mika Zabinajad on that first line, he's not going anywhere. And Kevin Hayes, I think, at least, although... You know, if if the Islanders are any indication, maybe nobody's safe in their spot. But I think Kevin Hayes is probably set there. But clearly, uh, the Rangers coaching staff not convinced the rest of the team can carry as far as the third and fourth line center goes. AJ, one of these, another candidate in Ottawa for one of these 10-game stints, and then maybe he'll be shipped off as Logan Brown. That's what I forecast there, because you don't want a guy of his skill set languishing on third-line minutes behind uh, guys like Hal Tourist and Derek Brassard. But he could be a long-term stash over there in Ottawa. I, I wonder what your snapshot of him it might be on defense. Uh, look at the mix that they have there without Eric Carlson. Everybody moves up in, in class, and Thomas Shabbat gets a look. This guy is an offensive dynamo uh, in the making too i think they really got something over here but uh, i think he's also a candidate for that 10 game stint will either of these guys stay more than the 10 games in your opinion i do think logan brown does and i don't think it's because they don't want to send him back down i I think they do uh and want to develop him some more but i just don't see the organizational depth there for this team to to find a way to replace him um, you know, Alex uh, Formanton is, is one that could also get sent down. They've got a little more depth on the wings. You know, Mike Hoffman's out with an injury right now, but he comes back. And, and so Formanton, I think, gets sent down uh, at that nine game mark. But I just don't see how or who, rather, they replace uh, Logan Brown with if he's out. I know they have Colin White, but he's banged up. And, and I just don't think they have another answer at the center position so i do expect him to be around for for a good chunk of time over in philadelphia you talked about the centers i expected to see claude Giroux playing center he's been a long time pivot there uh, when i think of him i think of the battles he's had with your your guy Sidney crosby over the years but surprise surprise he's playing left wing minutes and uh, i want you to comment on that uh, we didn't expect that to happen and sean couturier has taken over the first line role val philpula who is the wrong half of the worst trade that I've seen in years, I've got to <laughs> say. Uh, just, just a tough situation for him coming into this circumstance. But uh, Claude Giroux uh, on the left side, what do you think of that? I think it is actually a good move for them. They've, you know, you're not going to move a, a young player like Nolan Patrick. Uh, you want him to play his natural center position. Uh, Philpula, for, for all his, you know, setbacks is best suited as well to be in that center position uh and so you know i i think they have enough enough depth at at center that they were able to move jeru over and don't forget they do still have jory latera uh you know he hasn't played yet this season and this was a, a 60 game player with st louis 70 games in the previous two seasons so i'm a little surprised he hasn't even gotten a look yet this season uh, but they've just got a ton of guys down the middle. And so I think uh, Giroux on the wing is probably the best use of him. You know what? And to correct myself, Laterra was the wrong half of that. Uh, another deal that that they made with uh, the Blues uh, giving up Braden Shen. I don't get that one. And uh, 
Look at look at on the right side though they got Travis Connecting pairing with Nolan Patrick. That's an interesting dynamic duo that could be around the league for a long time. And I like the fact that they're playing these guys together, AJ, because they're two of their top picks overall in the last couple of drafts and uh, bringing them along together in a third line role and insulating them with a tough guy Dale Weiss who will protect these youngsters that's a very good situation for these guys to get their feet wet at the NHL level I like that mix and then on defense they got Robert Hag who makes the grade here as a second pairing guy with Shane Gostisbehere boy you talk about offensive guys with upside Gostisbehere certainly has that so Hag gets to play with him that might uh, spur him to some offensive exploits that we didn't forecast so some interesting things to to watch for on the Philadelphia roster and uh, they also made a move in goal AJ recently didn't they yeah it looks like Brian Elliott is going to be uh the number one there over Michael Newberth and and I don't know I I think it's a coin toss for me between these guys I'm, I'm not super high on either one I, I guess I would give the edge to Brian Elliott but as I continue to stay, as soon as he gets healthy, Anthony Stolarz needs to be the goaltender for this team. What do you think? They, they picked up uh, Dustin Tokarski, didn't he get... Uh, I heard that he got traded uh, from Anaheim. That was an interesting move for me because Tokarski, uh, I've seen him a little bit in AHL play, and I think this guy might be an outside challenger for, for that goaltending carousel in Philadelphia that just never seems to to stop anywhere uh, with any quality so there's four names to choose from from the goaltending situation there yeah that's a good point uh they you know and they didn't have to give up much i think it was just future considerations yeah. like uh, and so yeah i i like i do like the move um especially if you know if they're looking to get away from new birth and, and possibly elliot beyond this season then you open up a competition between Tokarski and Stolarts and, and let those guys compete for it. So I, I do think that was a, a good addition as well. Then uh, we come to your club, uh, you know, with Anthony, Anthony Niemi. If I say that, I can see you just shaking your head already. Uh, Tristan Jari uh, is a guy that they've got in the in their ranks. Uh, he's I don't know if he's in the American League or Junior. Maybe you can tell us that. But uh, is there likely a trade in the works that you th- forecast to bo- boost that? that goaltending situation because really right now beyond marty murray it's it's a bit of a mess i mean there there's anybody would be better to be honest with you and (laughs) you know they they do have some some young guys in the system too so i I think obviously the concern so jari's with a the ahl wilkes-barre scranton uh and i think bringing him up the concern obviously is that you know maybe they wouldn't have organizational depth down there but they have philip gustafson and they've got uh you know uh sean mcguire they got casey DeSmith. they've got a ton of guys uh under their you know 50 contract limit that could slot in for jari in the minor so i really don't get what the hang-up is here it's not like you have to worry about the long-term development of jari because look, he's not going to be the starting goalie for the Penguins unless Matt Murray completely drops off the face of the planet and just, you know, falls apart. So at some point, he's going to be a trade option at best. And so I've never understood why they signed Antti Niemi. <laughs> I think it should have been Jari as the backup all along. And just another kind of mini rant. I'll try and finish up here quick, Paul. <laughs> but Matt Murray should have never gotten in to that game against Chicago. If your job as a backup is to... Uh, you know, rest the starter for a night. If you go out there and get shelled, you have to go out there and take it. A la Al Montoya, who let in 10 last season and they never pulled him. There's no reason Matt Murray should have ever been in that game. You're only going to serve to mess with his rhythm, mess with his head. Fortunately, he bounced back with a shutout against Nashville. 
but there's no reason that Matt Murray should have ever been in that game. They should have just let Niemi hang out there to dry, which is his job as the backup goalie. I, Give the starter a break. I agree with you completely there, and uh, a great, great mini rant if we can we can highlight the fact that we're bringing back the stud <laughs> in the rant this week, so you got one in early. Another question for you. On the right side of this first line, we were expecting Connor Sheary to get those minutes, and he did for a couple of games, but now I see on our roster update that we have Brian Rust over there. That's a surprise to me, AJ. Yeah, the thing is, Connor shows flashes, and he'll have a couple good games, but then he kind of falls away, uh, and you can't have that on the top line. You need a guy with consistency. That's why Jake Gensel is not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> He's always out there consistently producing with Sidney Crosby. I think Brian Rust is a placeholder, if, if I'm being completely honest. I expect if Patrick Hornquist gets cleared, for their next game from that hand injury he'll slide up to that first uh first line spot and brian rust will probably take over that third spot uh, i know they like josh archibald so i would expect kind of rust shiri archibald maybe even kunakle to kind of shuffle around those bottom six maybe periodically get a look up there with Crosby. But I, I do think Patrick Hornquist is going to be the long-term answer back on the first line. In San Jose, I'm surprised and a little disappointed that Thomas Hurdle is relegated to third-line center. I'd like to see this guy in the top-six role. He certainly has proved himself in, in the opportunities previous, but they're making his road to a steady employment there a very difficult one. Uh, I'm not so sure it's important to have a third-line center where uh, wasting this guy's talent uh, in that role as opposed to getting the, the looks and with some of the better players up front. And, and another surprise is Kevin LeBanc as a first-line left wing here. So there's a bit of a changeover, it looks like, since Matt Patrick Murrow left. It caused a bit of a shuffle in this lineup. And this is the impact that I see over in San Jose. What do you make of it? Well, you said Kevin LeBanc was a, a surprise, but any of my Twitter followers would have seen I used him on the opening night when he scored two goals. So there was no surprise there. <laughs> uh, just another... Uh, plug for following me on Twitter. I used him in my lineup that night, tweeted that out and to success. But I agree with their concern about Thomas Hurdle. You know, he's not a natural center. Uh, he's more of a left winger. And so I think he's better suited in, in that role. Uh, but again, it's a depth concern. It's the same thing we've talked about with other teams is that they don't really have a ton of other options. You know, Chris Tierney, uh, isn't uh, going to you know blow the doors off of anything either, although he can be a 20-point player, uh, which I guess is enough you know for a third-line center, but then who takes in the fourth line? So uh, there's definitely some question marks, but I agree. I, I would prefer to see Hurdle uh, maybe take over for uh, Michael Boddicker on, on that left-wing spot or even just move him to left-wing on the third line uh, where he's more comfortable. And... Uh what about the St. Louis Blues? Uh, people that slept on Vladimir Sabotka after I gave him a bit of a plug in uh, in our preseason profiles are are poorer for that because he's also uh, come out of the gate with a first line role. He's got three assists in his first three games playing with Paul Stastny and Vladimir Tarasenko. Tarasenko is to me uh, one of the game's signature players. He's very underrated in some circles. Maybe it's just because they don't give him the profile that some of the other guys in the league have, but boy, this guy's a tank and Stastny, one of the better playmakers, so a fine spot for veteran Vladimir Sabotka to make his NHL debut after uh, a long stint in the KHL. So I love that forward line unit. I'm also a big fan of Braden Shen. He gets that second line role and uh, the beneficiary there could be Dimitri Yaskin on, on the right side there because Jaden Schwartz is nothing but uh, natural, pure natural goal scorer. So you got very nice pairing for, for Jaskin to join there. So I like what's happening in the top six. 
AJ. I think what's interesting is uh, a lot of people with all the injuries kind of expected this club to to eventually drop off, but they've stepped up admirably. Uh, you know, some of their younger guys haven't really produced yet. Uh, Tage Thompson and, and Wade Megan haven't really done much in terms of scoring at this point, um, but I think they'll get there. Uh, they're going to fill out that bottom six nicely. Uh, Oscar Sundquist will factor in for some time, maybe not every single night, uh, but they have some young talent here that has, you know, stepped up uh, with all the injuries to Fabry, Berglund, Steen, uh, and then I have to just mention I was watching the the matinee game yesterday, and boy, Vladimir Tarasenko has a rifle on him. Yes, he does. Uh, he he shot that into the net. I think he might uh, want to consider hopping into the hardest shot competition uh, at the all-star break this year. Cause wow, that was just a cannon of a wrister even, and not even a slap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, over in Tampa, a surprise to me is that Nemestnikov, not Palat is getting the first line look at left wing. Uh, Anders Palat is a guy that I have a lot of time for, but he's been relegated to third line right wing. I don't think that's a long lasting situation. And I wonder who's going to get the gig as, uh, as Victor Hedman's partner on the blue line, uh, do you have any insights into either of those circumstances, AJ? I do think long-term it'll be Jake uh, Dachin as, as that other pairing, but they've kind of shuffled that around. They Even when he's listed there, his uh, Dachin's minutes have only been just under 13 right. per game. So, I mean, it's pretty low. Uh, I, I don't want to see them put Anton Strahlman with him. I, I think they could pair up well, um, but I think that consolidates you know, too much of your, your top players into right. one, one pairing, you know, maybe it's Dan Girardi, honestly, uh, you know, have the veteran in there with, with Hedman, if he can hold up for, you know, another whole 82 game season, as far as the forwards go, I actually like Nemestikov on that top line. Uh, I do think he'll hold on to that ahead of Andre Pilat. Uh, he's, you know, had a little bit of a drop last season, uh, just 28 points, didn't quite make that 30 point threshold, uh, but he's got three points in three games to start the year. He's averaging 18 minutes of ice time. Uh, so they're using him pretty heavily. And I, and I would expect that they're going to continue to have him on that, that top uh, unit. Yeah, and don't sleep on a guy like Braden Point. He had a fine half season with the club last year. And he's a kind of unseated Tyler Johnson for the second line scoring role. So there's a bit of a, a shakeup going on in Tampa. They're trying to figure th- what the best mix is. Make no mistake, though, this is a very, very strong team. And they showed it the other day with a nice comeback victory over the Caps that I'm sure you must have enjoyed a little bit, AJ, whenever you see that kind of a turnaround for the team that you love to hate. Um, brings us to the Toronto Maple Leafs, AJ. This team's 3-0, and uh, they're looking full value for it. I must say, I was in, uh, in the arena last night and uh, got to sit in the, the alumni box, AJ. That was a real treat for me. I got invited up there and uh, spent some time hobnobbing with players that I used to watch very closely as a younger man. And uh, it was interesting to get their take on this, this team. And they're all excited like I am. And all you have to look at is see uh, a guy like Austin Matthews pull the trigger on that overtime winner last night. He put it where the mama keeps the cookies in the top shelf. And uh, <laughs> it looked really good doing it. But uh, I, I like what they've done on this blue line, AJ. They've given Morgan Riley more of an offensive role. And he's lugging the puck more. And he's getting insulated by Ron Hainsey. I look for a big year offensively from Morgan Riley. But uh, name, names to look at on the blue line here, maybe the third pairing, and Andreas Borgman, who's a big bruiser of a defenseman, and Calios. And Rosen, more of a fluid uh, puck handler. Uh, this is an interesting pairing on the third line, and, and it's like the Leafs forwards. There's a lot of depth here all of a sudden. 
Yeah, it's very intriguing, uh, that third pairing. I, I like what both guys have offered so far this season. I'm almost wondering if Connor Carrick's uh, injury is going to see him bounce from the game day lineup if those two can continue to step up. Uh, and, yeah, Paul, as you mentioned, they've just been lighting the lamp repeatedly uh, and you know just dominating so far in, in all their contests. Uh, I think it's 19 goals in the first three games, if I'm not mistaken. You aren't. And then <laughs> they made the uh, the interesting move for for Calvin Picard. Yeah. Uh, trading for him. Uh, I, I I don't. Uh, perhaps you can speak to it a little bit better. I don't know a ton about their depth. Uh, you know, outside of the the top two, Freddie Anderson and Curtis McElhenney. And McElhenney's had some concerns in the past, so maybe you know Picard's kind of a security blanket. Uh, if if Max starts to struggle, you know, in in relief appearances, because you don't want to put added pressure on a Freddie Anderson if, if his backup isn't going to you know hold up his end of the deal so uh, maybe it's an insurance policy or, or is it an added depth that they need at the the goalie well you know what it puts a little pressure on McElhaney because I think he signed a two-year contract before the season started he's a 35 year old guy uh, so he is on the last part of his career and not a guy who's going to be expected to take on a long term chunk of gains but maybe Picard is that guy in case of injury that they would call up and say you know what he had a long look last year at the NHL level and performed admirably in a tough situation and a younger man at 25 years of age they really it was a coup to get a kid like him uh, I, th- I see a lot of upside in his game and uh, really good insurance policy in case anything god forbid should happen to uh, to Freddie Anderson, the prohibitive starter in Toronto. In Vancouver, uh, Vanek uh, bumped Erickson off the top line there. I am not a big fan of Thomas Vanek, I got to say. But if this guy can't produce with these two guys, I mean, they're aging vets themselves, but he's found himself a plum assignment in Vancouver. And to see, we'll see how what he makes of it. But this uh, Vanek has been nothing but an enigma for me. He did get three shots on goal in his first game. If he gets three shots a game, he's going to get his share of goals, though, AJ. Yeah, this this lineup just doesn't wow me that much. You know, they don't have uh, young, uh, talented scorers outside of perhaps Bo Horvath right. uh, that are going to do much. You know, as you mentioned, they're they're an aging group. Uh, I, you know, I think they, they made the move for Derek Pouliot on defense. Uh, I have seen him firsthand. He's not the answer to anybody's <laughs> prayers in Vancouver. Um, although, you know, maybe a change of scenery is good for him, a, a new organization, a new role. Um, maybe it is the best thing for him, but he has not lived up to expectations in Pittsburgh. That's for sure. And so, you know, outside of Bo Horvat, maybe Troy Stetcher, uh, on the blue line is a, a young guy to keep an eye on, but there is just not a lot in terms of new uh, young blood on this team. As you mentioned, it's kind of that aging top line of, of the Sedins and Vanek, and that's really about it. Yeah, that's all I could find so far. Uh, AJ, there's lots to talk about in Vegas. Uh, they've got a hero already in their ranks, and that's James Neal, who potted the game winner in their first two two uh, forays in the NHL. So he's the early hero on this club. You've got a, you've had a lot of time for him with his time in Pittsburgh, I'm sure. But uh, I like the way this offense shakes down. They've got some uh, scary offensive types and some speed on that top six. 
Uh, I wonder who, who, other than Neil, has impressed you early on. And they've got some depth on the blue line. Of course, the, that was something we highlighted early on in their in the profiling this team. They got no fewer than nine or ten NHL caliber defensemen in this system. So I think that we're going to see some movement there. But there was some movement in the nets as well, picking up Malcolm Subban that allowed them to free up Picard in the other deal. That was the other shoe to drop. And that's a great pickup over there, I think. Subban has a high ceiling and playing behind your flower guy, Marc-Andre Fleury, is a great place for him. Yeah, I I don't, uh, I'm not high on the Malcolm Subban pickup. Oh, I'm uh, surprised. His, well, his appearances in the NHL have been less than stellar. True, true. Uh, he's got pretty pretty shelled. Uh, I thought they had, you know, their backup in, in uh, uh, Pickard, and they do have some, some young guys in the system that uh, can definitely contribute uh in the future and so i i think they must think that they've got a you know an heir apparent uh there in uh in suban i'm not completely sold on it i think long term uh you know really what they just need is a bridge uh from flurry to a guy like dylan ferguson or oscar dansk or pat possibly even uh maxime uh legacy I think those are probably their long-term options, uh, and I don't think it'll be Malcolm Subban. As far as who can, else can step up, there's not a whole lot of production outside of James Neal, so that is kind of a long-term concern. Uh, their defense has been really stellar. They've you know limited, uh, you know they've tried to limit some of Flurry's shots, although he got shelled for 46 uh, shots. The first one still came away with the win, uh, and they, so they've got arguably one of the best uh net minders in the league still at least in my opinion uh still one of the top guys in the league his goals against is under one so far uh so i think they're in good hands but i would like to see a little bit more production out of guys like march assault david perron cody eakin these are guys that have produced that on other teams and i i think they need to step up if vegas is going to continue to win games well, one guy that stepped up, and we didn't see this coming, was Jakob Vrana in Washington, AJ. He's got the plum assignment going with Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov. We'll have a lot to say about the port sider on that unit later in the show. But the surprise of this lineup is Vrana getting that first-line opportunity. TJ Oshie and uh, Nick Backstrom, they've kept that uh, combination together on the second line. And uh, it's interesting that they've kept Burakovsky also in that unit. I like the fact that Burakovsky's getting top six minutes here, AJ. I think he's fully deserving of that shot. And when you look at the options below him and Nathan Walker, the first Aussie to make the grade in the NHL, and Brett Connolly, uh, Burakovsky should get that, that nod by default for a long while. Uh, Eller at third line center. That's an interesting one for me to always talk about because when he was drafted by the Canadians, he was looked at as one of the guys that they were going to make their offense around, and it just really hasn't panned out for him. So uh, some interesting looks on the offensive uh, top six there. And outside of that, the Dmitry Orlov uh, is a guy who I'm watching on this blue line. I think he's the next one to emerge uh, in this group as a, as a key factor. Uh, offensive uh, side of the game should be there for him to get 30 to 40 points this year, particularly if he gets paired with Matt Niskanen, who has become their most effective puck carrier, I think, on this, cl- on this lineup. Yeah, not a lot of disagreement uh, out of me here. I mean, honestly, if you put a guy out there that can, you know, stand up on skates on that first line with <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin, you're probably going to get an assist or two. Uh, so, you know, Jakob Vrana, it'll be interesting to see if he can start, you know, putting in uh, pucks of his own. Right now, it's been pretty much uh, him and Kuznetsov just feeding Ovechkin, which 
hasn't, you know, it's not a, a bad situation. It's, it's worked uh, regular season for the Capitals for a long time. So uh, I, I want to see him maybe chip in offensively on his own. Uh, but otherwise, he's doing exactly what you want to see him do. And that's find uh, Ovechkin, you know, where he can put the puck into the back of the net. And then we come to the last team in our mix, and I'll begin with the goalies here because I did not like the signing of Steve Mason, the big bucks, and I thought they had Connor Hellebuck here who was just waiting in the wings for a chance to take the reins, and, and uh, over the first three games I've been proven out, Mason got shelled twice, and then Hellebuck not only played well, but he did it against a very good team last night, so uh, that's one for me, AJ, in my column, I'll say it was a good call, and I think that long-term, Kelly Buck is going to get a larger share of the net than, than most people forecast in, in that circumstance. Up front, uh, interesting to note that Patrick Line has been dropped from the first line. He played there all year long. Nikolai Ehlers has m- found his way into that mix along with Shifley and Wheeler. That's a great place for him to land. An offensive talent. He was a number first-round pick a couple of years ago, but uh, Line and Little a pretty good partnership on that second unit and the big beneficiary could be their left wing my, uh, Matthew Perot so that's the, a look at the top six here how do you see this team shaking down well after his performance last night Nikolai Ehlers isn't going anywhere for right. a hat trick plus an assist uh, for a four-point night and with that switch to first line you know the first two games he saw 17 minutes and about 16 minutes of ice time but when they switched him to the first line he saw 20 minutes of ice time last night and clearly uh, that panned out well for him. I don't think uh, having line A on the second line is going to be a problem. Brian Little, Matthew Peral are both capable players. Uh, I think he'll do just fine there. And yeah, I, I think anybody uh, from Philadelphia that saw the Winnipeg Jets <laughs> sign Steve Mason wasn't expecting much out of him this year. Uh, I thought they would go into the season with Hellebuck as a starter and Mason as a backup. They decided to go the other way, but I think to your point, Paul, uh, that's probably going to change after the first three games here. Uh, Howie Buck played significantly better, and, and Mason has really struggled. Well, let's change gears for a minute now, and I know you, you've been chomping at the bit for this segment, uh, but a nod to our friends at FanDuel, where fantasy football is back and the wait is over, obviously. That means FanDuel's been back in a big way over the last several weeks, and that means fantasy football is there for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every d- week, no busted seasons, something for everyone. There are lots of contests to choose from, starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. I'm going to get my hard hat on because uh, I'm going to take some lumps here. We go into we got week five in the rear view of my partner's cackling in the background because his team pulled off another stunning victory with uh, my Cowboys being the victims. I didn't like the way this game finished, but I have to take my hat off to your quarterback. Well, I think it might be time to rename the Cowboys Stadium from Jerry's World to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, A-Rod just has their number. Uh, as he said in his post-game uh, comments, they should host the Super Bowl there every year. Uh, that's where he, you know, got his one ring. Uh, I, I thought Dallas did a, did do a really good job of trying to run down the clock. Uh, that that pass play in in the red zone there at the key. end was a little confusing. What a key, yeah. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, a, a minute fourteen and one timeout is just too much time left. Although, to be completely honest, with his history of success in Hail Marys. Probably anything more than 15 seconds was too much time on the clock for Aaron Rodgers. Um, in other news, Paul, to, to switch gears to not give you too many lumps here. Uh, thoughts on how unsuccessful my uh, my Steelers stack was in the Rotowire fantasy uh, contest? That did not pan out at all for me this last weekend. 
any input on what's going on with those Steelers? Well, I, you know what? It's always a bit of a red flag when I hear the number one receiver crowing about he's not getting the ball enough from his quarterback. Uh, you don't take shots at Ben Roethlisberger in public, I don't think, because he's the clear leader of this team. And it just speaks to maybe some unsettling uh, aspects in the ranks here that might account for why this team has looked so poor on the weekend in a game that we expected the score to be. If you would have told me the score was 30 to 9, I said, oh, the, the Steelers romped. And, and really, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, a shocking upset there. Uh, that's a game when you look at the preseason schedule and say, oh, lock that down as a automatic win for the Steelers and when they didn't get it that makes you think maybe has the end of the, is the end of the line near for that uh, all-star Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and then uh, the news comes out that that the wide receiver is upset with him I don't like hearing that sort of thing and maybe that's the first chink in the armor that we see in a Steelers team that might not be all that we thought it was uh, at the outset so uh, as with every week AJ there's uh, intrigue in the NFL and that's why uh, a lot of people watch it and play these games there's over in fact two and a half billion players that have won cash playing uh, FanDuel and we're among those two we were happy to say and we get a chance to do it every week in the rotowire free roll To take advantage of our special offer right now for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes. That's with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, these contests are void where prohibited. Now, AJ, we're going to bring back some of our signature segments. Uh, we don't have a special guest this week, but it's you and me, and we're talking FanDuel DFS. Why don't you t- run through tonight's schedule, please? Yeah, so we'll start off. The, the 7 o'clock games are going to be St. Louis at the Rangers, and then you've got Columbus at Carolina. You go to 7.30, you have uh, perhaps one of the most intriguing matchups tonight. you got Chicago Blackhawks at the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, both, it's going to be Price and uh, and Crawford for that one, so that should be an interesting matchup. 8 o'clock game is the Flyers traveling to Nashville. Uh, 8.30, you got Detroit and Dallas squaring off. And then our late games, Ottawa Senators at Vancouver. And then probably the, the biggest game of the night, Arizona at Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, the, the two teams might not intrigue a ton of people, but that is the home opener for the newly minted Golden Knights. So that should be an exciting one to watch. Uh, Paul, any of those games stand out to you? Well, my doubleheader uh, is going to be the Hawks and the Canadians. I mean, the way the Hawks started out last night, I thought the Leafs were in for a rough night. They just controlled the puck like you can't believe in the first few minutes of that game uh, and and the first period most of the first period and uh, the veterans still look like they've got it boy Kane and, and Taze when they have the puck it's like uh, nobody else can will ever get it off them it seems but uh, Leafs certainly cut up with them and I'm interested to see what Chicago looks like on the second half of back-to-backs I wouldn't shy away from them though in this matchup because Montreal's been less than overwhelming so far and Carey Price not looking unbeatable so uh, as well so the Hawks you know that they were stung last night by that game I think they come out and they put a big show on in Montreal, and I'll love every second of the, if they roll over the Habs. And then, of course, that Vegas Knights debut, that's going to be all eyes on it, uh, I think. Uh, we'll see how the game presentation looks, but uh, Golden Knights 
get a pretty good uh, chance to get a victory under their belts. The Arizona Coyotes, a team that's not uh, come out of the gate flying on all cylinders, and uh, some questions in net there too. So the, the Knights, it'll be interesting to see how they make out in their debut. People will be talking about this one uh, for days, I think, over in the desert. And uh, AJ, it's time for us to put our picks together for our DFS board tonight. I'm curious to see what your, what your lineup might look like and why. Well, uh, taking a little bit of a, a change of strategy here. I know in the past I like to go top centers. I'm actually going to save a bunch of money here. I'm going to start with Derek Broussard, 4,900. Ottawa's traveling to Vancouver. I talked about not being very high on the Vancouver uh, group. Uh, and so I think Broussard can capitalize tonight. And then Kelly Yarncrock at just 3,700. I think he's a steal for the role that he's in. He's playing top six minutes right now. Uh, and, you know, Nashville has just been so good at home. And so all that money saved at the center position, spending it on the wings, uh, going big with Patrick Kane and for 8700 in that Chicago-Montreal matchup. I know Carey Price is in goal, but it is still Patrick Kane. Going uh, high again, Vladimir Tarasenko, 7700 I talked about that rifle of the shot. He's been on fire so far this season. Uh, more high dollar spent, Artemi Panarin for 7400 Columbus playing Carolina again. Panarin, uh, a high-value player, uh, and Carolina has some question marks. Although it seems like they're getting, they're trending in the right direction. And then my cheapest winger, actually at 6,800, is going to be James Neal, the Vegas Golden Knights. He's been kind of the source of their offense, and I think he continues to do so against a somewhat uh, still uh, down uh, Coyotes team defensively. Again, I have to save money because of how much I spent before. Dion Phaneuf taking advantage of that Ottawa-Vancouver matchup. He's got a goal and assist and is definitely stepping up big time without uh, Eric Carlson in the lineup, and I expect him to continue to do so. And then Jan Ruta is an absolute steal at 3,500. Uh, I mentioned that his shot percentage is not going to hold out. I do expect at some point he'll drop off a little bit. Uh, maybe it's tonight against Carey Price, but two goals, two assists through the opening couple of games five shots on goal three blocks so he's just ticking too many boxes at too low of a price for me and then uh listeners won't be too surprised by my goaltender here i am going to go with mark andre Fleury for 8100 you know i always talk about goalie matchups and you really have to take that into a, a account i'm not going to use Carey price or Corey crawford because they're facing each other there's just too many question marks there for me uh, so I went further down with Marc-Andre Fleury. It's the home opener. It's a weaker Arizona team. And just to tip on matchups, uh, last night I played the late slate, Paul, and you won't believe this, but I used Mike Smith for my lineup. Oh, and wow. he, he performed really well last night, <laughs> yeah. but it was just looking at matchups. Uh, and so you have to pick and choose your spots. Even if you don't like a guy for season-long contests, like I clearly don't with Mike Smith. He was great for me last night, helped me cash. Um, so just a highlight on matchups, and I think Mark andre Fleury takes advantage of a good one. Paul, how did your lineup shake up? After slagging on Smith the way that you did, I'm shocked <laughs> that you picked that guy. Um, I picked uh, Mika Subbanajad. I got a good look at him when the Rangers came in to visit Toronto. I like the way this guy's game has come around. He looks more like a number one center than I imagined he could be. And getting that look against uh, St. Louis, I think it's favorable for the Rangers. They're a different team at home. They shut the shut down the Habs the other night, and I think they'll shut down the Blues, and Zibanejad will take advantage of some offensive opportunities there. $6,600 the price tag. 
tag. I mentioned Nick Felino. I got a lot of time for him, the way he plays the game. A rugged forward who is going to be the type that gives that Carolina defense. That's a smooth skating group, but they're not very physical. And I think it's a bad matchup for them against Columbus. And Felino is a big reason why. $6,200, the price tag over there. And then we, we've talked about the depth of forwards that, that Nashville has. Maybe their signature offensive piece, Philip Forsberg, $7,200. The Flyers have nobody that, they, that can contend with this guy's skill and speed. And I think he, he runs roughshod over them tonight at home with the benefit of the matchups that keep him away from their best defensive players. Rick Nash, another big body Ranger forward who should have a good time in, uh, against St. Louis tonight. $5,600, a cheap price tag for a guy who looks like the motor is still revving pretty high. And then uh, Alex Radiloff, a guy that we talked about in preseason, gets a good matchup against Detroit. That's an aging blue line. This guy likes to play a physical game. He'll drive them crazy over there, I think. And uh, offensive upside playing with the first liners that he does get to play there with Sagan and Ben for $5,900. That's pretty good value to me. And then uh, another guy who plays the game, I love the way he uh, the way he does, is Mark Stone against Vancouver. Another softish, soft-looking defense. And uh, Ottawa Senators have a number of power forward types. Uh, Mark Stone foremost among them. $5,100, a cheap price tag there. And uh, we go to the desert for my one of my defensive picks. I spent a little bit of money to get OEL, Oliver ekman Larson. I think he's going to be trouble for the Vegas Knights. They don't have anybody that can corral this guy. If he starts to lug the puck and play on special teams, he might light it up for them for 5400 Talked about Brady Shea, the opportunity that he has to play with Kevin Shattenkirk on the top pairing. $4,300, the price tag there. He got his first goal of the season the other night. So I think he's going to pick up where he left off last season, have a fine offensive year that flies just a little bit under the radar. In looking for the matchups and mismatches tonight, I looked at the Philadelphia-Nashville game. Big edge to Nashville in the Nets there, and that's why I went with Pekka Rinne for $8,200. That's our picks, AJ, and we always like to throw in what the optimizer has come up with. A couple of interesting choices there. Yeah, I think uh, I'll get into some of the more interesting ones. But starting off, Tyler Sagan, 8100 uh, Hard to fault the optimizer for that one. He's just been a solid player uh, really throughout his career, but even you know into the season. Where it gets interesting is that the optimizer has come up with essentially a Philadelphia stack here. Uh, that's in Nashville against Peke Rene. Uh, I'm a little like confused. It. I don't like Yeah, it. I'm confused by it too, but... Uh, it starts off with Nolan Patrick uh, for 4300 You know, that's a pretty discounted rate for him. Uh, he hasn't factored in too much yet, uh, but he certainly could. Uh, Optimizer liked my Vladimir Tarasenko pick. It's uh, paying up for him at 7700 Goes back to Wayne Simmons uh, for 6900 I think that's a little probably inflated due to uh, that hat trick he got. I would be surprised if we see another hat trick out of Wayne Simmons this season. Uh, James Neal, it likes that pick. For 6,800, Jaden Schwartz, uh, Paul, who you highlighted, uh, 5,600. That's uh, certainly a good value for him. Uh, he's been producing well defensively. Back to that Philadelphia stack, it likes Ian Probra for 4,300. Uh, Eric Gudbranson of Vancouver going up against Ottawa for 3,500. That's a little low for me. Not to mention Gudbranson's not uh, a factor on the power play, right. uh, so I, I personally wouldn't use him there. And then finally, the last player of the stack. Uh, Brian Elliott in goal uh, against uh, Nashville for 7600 The optimizer definitely saving some money there. Brian Elliott's an unconfirmed goalie at this point. Um, I, I expect it to be him, but he's not confirmed. So that's definitely one you'll want to watch out for as well. Um, but I, I'm not uh, not in love with this optimizer lineup, but who knows? Maybe 
it'll prove us wrong. That's why we play the games. Uh, AJ, I'll remind our listeners, don't forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday where we take a look at all four major sports in terms of DFS play. And right now, of course, we're focusing on the NFL and the NHL. The NFL will soon, uh, NBA will soon be joining that as well. We have a fine crew of guys, myself included, if I may say, that break these down every day for our listeners and we do roster updates all the time for all the sports you and i work very hard on the nhl side of things to keep those rosters as current as possible if we urge our listeners to look at all that stuff we got great resources for you to make your dfs picks for FanDuel every day of the year uh, we've given our d- division previews, AJ, uh, in the last few weeks, and uh, it occurs to me that we didn't really put our money where our mouth is in terms of the conference winners and the st- cup winners, so I'd like to do that before we hit the stud and the rent. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm ready, to, ready to make my picks, and uh, I think we'll have uh, some interesting discussion around that. All right. Well, in the Eastern Conference, I'll go first. We usually give the nod to, to you first. I'll put my neck out on the line, and I'll say the Tampa <laughs> Lightning is, is, to me, the class of the Eastern Conference. This is a team that navigated their way through a tough, I'll say it again one final time, tough salary cap situation, and they came out uh, with flying colors on the other end of it, uh, deep offense, deep defense, and a goaltender who's going to get a great chance to prove himself in, in Vasilya Vasilevsky. Uh, I, I think this is a team that's got all the boxes checked to use something that you referenced earlier. Of course, the goaltending has a little bit of a question mark, but to me, there's just too much skill on this team for anybody to unseat them, including our favorite teams, I'll say. So I'm, I'm going to put my rose-colored glasses away and see the Leafs will be improved. The Penguins be, will be there, obviously, too. But I think Tampa's going to be the team that rises from the, from the group uh, to represent the East. And in the West, I'll say the Nashville Predators, we both called them early in the season last year, didn't look so good in the regular season, but they came to the fore in the playoffs. Again, I say they check all the boxes for me, a very deep defense, maybe the best one, one to six in the entire NHL signature aspect of this team. Pecorine still got it as one of the top, 10 goalies in, the, in hockey easily and uh, they've got an emerging group of forwards that uh, there's a lot of flash and dash along with some of the better checking guys here real good mix there offensively and finally I'll say my cup winner will be the Tampa Lightning so uh, what do you think of those picks and then uh, let me hear yours yeah I, I can't fault you for any of those picks those are definitely some good teams that have some good pieces uh, I mean aside from the fact that you're wrong uh, I can't fault you for the choices you made uh, for me Uh, there's no surprise here. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eastern Conference. This isn't just me being a homer here. Uh, When you can throw, when you have Matt Murray, who's shown uh, so far that he can live up to the expectations, they still have Crosby. They still have Malkin. They've got Latang back. Uh, There's, you know, Jake Gensel's on the rise. This is just a team that in my opinion has too much talent uh, to, to go to waste. And I, and I think they'll be right there in the mix and, and could come out of the Eastern conference. <laughs> yeah, that is a problem that they need to fix. That's very true. Uh, in the Western conference, I like the Edmonton Oilers. I know I talked about concerns about T- Cam Talbot, uh, but I figure he'll get that figured out, uh, you know, pretty soon. Uh, there's just too much offensive firepower on this team. I'd like to see him maybe go after a more offensively minded defenseman somewhere in there to slot him in but overall i think edmonton uh is the team to come out of the west and then stanley cup i just can't not do it i'm gonna go for the three-peat the first one since the islanders of the 80s uh i think uh the penguins have all the talent they've shown they can win with holes in their lineup they can win with gaps here and there and they just have the will and the drive to make it work uh you know i forgot to mention phil kessel too obviously uh so for me the pens for the three-peat is is my prediction 
Gee, a team that got shelled 10 to 1 is a pick for Stanley Cup. I, I think it's a gutsy call. <laughs> I had to get you back for the A-Rod thing. It's time to also talk about the stud of the week. We'll bring that back on a regular basis uh, as we talk through the regular season. And boy, oh boy, Alex Ovechkin earns the nod. AJ, this guy came out of the gate. Looks like, to me, he's playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, the bad playoff success, history of his team really got to be eating this guy up from the inside. He got seven goals in his first two games. I don't think I can recall that ever happening. So uh, kudos to him for getting off to that great start. Of course, he got blanked the next time out. But hey, nobody's going to score every game, right? I just don't think this guy's ready to leave the conversation of dominant players in the NHL. So look for him to have another big year. What say you about the great eight? Well, it's a phenomenal start to the year, as you said. You know, he leads the league in goals by a margin of three. Uh, But Capitals fans have seen this movie before. I think fortunately or unfortunately, regular season success for Ovechkin and Holtby Holtby has come to be expected in the U.S. Capitol. And until they can get uh, even get to a Stanley Cup final, much less win one, it's really not going to matter to their fans. AJ, in terms of the rant of the week, this one's an easy one for me. I mean, there's some rule uh, enforcement that's going on early in the season. Uh, The league has taken a look at face-offs and stick fouls. Uh, let's find that consistency quickly, uh, please, because I'm getting sick and tired of watching the players get thrown out of the circles with great regularity, and these stick fouls are just really something to watch. Last night, there were a couple of stick taps. No broken sticks involved, AJ, but stick taps that wound up being called slashing penalties, including one in a critical circumstance for the Maple Leafs last night that they dodged. They killed it off, but boy, oh boy, I don't like that the way that's being called. You can't stick check anybody anymore, uh, it seems. So I really don't like that one, and I hope they get the face-off st- thing straightened out. Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, I don't mind if they want to, you know, reinforce old rules that have been on the books. But I think, you know, it's only happening with some of the crews some of the time. Uh, and so I think a, a lack of consistency is really what gets me. Now, I agree with you, Paul. Uh, I don't like some of the calls. I thought they've been a little bit soft. But if that's how you're going to call it, just be consistent about yeah. how that how you're going to call it. And I just don't think that's uh, been the case. I think either it's a point of emphasis or it's not. And so far, there just hasn't been any consistency. Yeah, that's all we're asking for. And, uh, well, that wraps it up for this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We hope you enjoyed this first show of the regular season. Circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the NHL on October 17 when we do our next show. We ask you to look out for Podcast Hockey Pod every week so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody. 